Does that mean I get to stop selling things? No, that's how we're going to actually, you know, make sure this makes money. We're going to need your intuition and know-how. Now, now you'll be selling the podcast instead of uh, phone. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll do all the technical aspects. Adam will be the face. Paul will be the muscle. And then Eric will be oh, the sales guy. We're screwed if I'm the muscle. <laughs> Paul the muscle and the troubadour. I, 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 hand, I, handed a, I handed a jar to my son to open the other day. So we're in bad shape. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, please open this for me. I want to see what memories your first time that you did servant evangelism or were able to serve and it could be as simple as giving out waters on a hot sunny day i was kind of pondering that for myself trying to figure out what moment in my life shaped and molded me to who i am today and how i think in terms of missional community and and being able to serve in whatever capacity that god's leading me in yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great topic. Paul, kind of fresh in your mind, you went to the DR, so I'd love to hear your experiences, amazing moments, or even the overall experience. How did it impact your family? Yeah, yeah. So um, that whole experience was was amazing. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you think you will know how it will affect you, and you kind of go, "I went for myself. Um, this will impact me. You know, in this way." This will impact my son in this way. And I think we just both got, obviously, God had other plans a lot deeper. Um, but, you know, it's funny because while we were there, you know, one of the things that they mentioned is that, you know, we're, we're going to do whatever the the people um, there want to do. So, you know, uh, my, the church I go to is Harbor of Hope. We partner with this organization called Food for the Hungry. And Food for the Hungry finds villages like this where we can help them get self-sustainable. So that's kind of the goal. And so you could go there for the week and not t touch a hammer or nail, or you can go there for the week and, you know, help put up siding, which we did a little bit. But again, that's really not why we're there. We're just there to, to help them. And it, one, of the, one of the best nights that I remember is sitting there on a Wednesday night. And I remember it was Wednesday night because I remember thinking, this is really silly for me to be asking this question, but I turned to the, the leader, this, this woman, Shmai, who did an amazing job leading um, from Harbor Hope. And I, and I was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this to other people. How do I do that? And then what I realized was I was like, I don't even really know for myself and my own heart. Why am I here? I mean, I know why I came, but like, what am, why am I here now? And she's like, what it, what it boiled down to was this, that people, these people matter. And what was funny was at the end of it all, they said that. And they, at the end of it all, um, we had like a closing ceremony where they, people just come up and talk. And one of the things that they said was the people from the village said was, I don't feel like I didn't feel like we matter. And then Food for the Hungry came and then your church came. And now I feel like we matter. And so at the end of the day, the way that we serve, that's the reason. Like we serve, I serve because other people matter. And, you know, um, that was um, very hard for me to uh, figure out my first few years as a Christian, I would say, because I used to see people as a hindrance. But now I see that's that's where God, God is. Like, that's what God cares about. That's that's why God sent Jesus. Right. Because of people. Right. And if you can't get on the people train, then you need to find another uh, an another God, another God. Right. Because Jesus is all about people, man. So like that's what we needed to be all about. So like 
all of this service, it's all because people, other people matter. People that you work with, people that you need to bring Jesus with, bring Jesus to that's never heard of him, people that, um, you know, I volunteer with at church. Like, all these people matter. For you, did you go into this place kind of like, just got to be busy? Or were you open to, like, hey, God, what you got planned to kind yeah. of lead me by spirit? Yeah, that's a good question. So I went very open because they... You know, we had, we had had meetings up meetings up until then, and um, so I went in going, yeah, we have no idea. Some days you're just going to play with the kids, and then some days you may actually, you know, do some work. It's really whatever they do, and you don't find out until like the last minute. So I went in very open. I almost didn't even know what to expect. Like it was really funny. It was really cool because another person had been there like three or four times, and she was like, you know, trying to live through it again with my like the my through my eyes. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen like an amazing movie and then you see, you see it a million times and then you watch somebody else watch it and you almost want to see it through their eyes again. And this person was asking me, I'm like, and I realized I didn't really know what to expect. I just kind of came in, Hey, Hey God, God, whatever. And there were certainly times when I'm like, you know, like, like um, the, the, the last quote unquote construction thing we did was we just dropped off like these sections of tin roof that they were going to use to fix their houses with. But like we weren't actually going to help them. We were just dropping them off. And I'm like, gee, this feels, you know, like I could be doing so much more. But they were like, but then the people, you know, the Food for the Hungry people were like, no, no, no. They need to do this on their own. We can't have you up on the roof, clearly, you know, because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but, you know, th th this is something that we need to partner with, with them, with them together. And however much you can help them in any way, that was the, you know, some parents there, of the, the, some of the villagers, like they're just happy watching you play with their kids. Like they're just, you know, seeing this, um, positive, um, you know, uh, experience happen. I think that was, you know, that, that's, that's just, uh, that was just good for them. So now I know Eric, you did like when we were younger, you gone on a Haiti trip, you kind of glean from that, like, anything to the point of, Oh my gosh, that was a profound move of either the spirit or Paul experience where it you were there helping out anywhere you could being able to do that would that like look for you yeah I, I would say there there's two different aspects to this for me um one of the things uh, you asked about haiti and i'll get to that in one in a second but one of the things that i used to do as a kid that my parents really thought was important and i didn't realize how important it was until you know i was probably in my 20s was we used to go down and serve food at a homeless shelter once a month Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, like, I thought I was a pretty worldly kid, you know, but, but there's, there's a perspective shift when you walk into a place where people can't even, they don't have a house. They don't have anywhere to live. They're coming place. They're coming somewhere to get food because they don't have a way to cook themselves a meal or to find food in a, in a way that's safe. And, I remember, you know, being there and, and realizing that there was, um, there was need everywhere. I, you know, and it made me aware of things and aware of people in a way that I hadn't gotten to that point. Cause as a teenager, I mean, I was a pretty self-centered punk actually. Um, and there was something, there was really something about that, that like shook that out of me a little bit and said, you need to be aware of how to help other people. Mm -hmm. 
And then you asked about Haiti, and and one of the things I, I went to Haiti when I was seventeen, might have been sixteen, um, for the first time, and and it was really um, an incredibly. In some ways, it was 18 mission trips, so it didn't feel like some of the missions trips I've gone on since then. Like, it wasn't as much work. We did some work, um, but they took it easy on us a little bit because they didn't want to scare us away. But you know what I I found is um, one of the things that really struck me about Haiti is I had already been serving in homeless shelters and hanging out in what were the bad parts of Lowell, Massachusetts, which, you know, it has some decently bad parts, but the poverty in those areas was nothing compared to the poverty I saw in Haiti. Mm -hmm. Like it was stunning to me. And I, I think it was all encapsulated in this one moment. I'm sitting in a, I think I was in a bus trying to get out of Port au Prince to go to the plate, to the campus where we were going to be working out of, And as we're driving, I look out and on the side of the road is like this giant hole full of brown muck. And I see a person in this hole up to their head, like just walking around. And when I asked the guy that I was there with, he's like, oh, yeah, that hole is the sewer for this part of town. And that guy is using his toes to clean the grates so the sewer will drain. And that's his job. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh. Like, I don't know anybody in the U.S. that would do that job. I don't care how much you paid them. But these guys, this is this is one of the ways. And it's, obviously, that was a very stark picture. But it was one of the ways that they made a living. And it was just amazing to me. And it was, it was humbling. It was like, it was the second part of that one-two punch. Like, you need to be aware of the people in your backyard. But you also need to be aware of people internationally and the fact that you don't really have an understanding of need. Like, you don't really, that's not something you've ever experienced. And it just, it shook me awake in a lot of ways. And it's been, it's been one of those things that it makes me want to um, look for those needs or look for need, not just on that stark level, but around me, right? It's because everybody's needs are not financial. Everybody's needs are not a meal. Some people's needs are just somebody to listen to them. Right. And, and it's something that, um, I think so often we get tied up in ourselves and we lose focus. We lose perspective on the things around us. And I just, um, whenever that happens, I have to go back and remember that, you know, to quote Jesus, you know, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, you know, and that means, you know, like it talks about an ax where that, all of the disciples were selling everything they had as they, and giving to each other as they had need. Like, there's a reality that we're called to provide for each other's needs. I think for my one experience or one defining moment through simple acts of 
going out and just handing out bottles of water, then letting the spirit lead in those moments were both places that got me out of my comfort zone and it allowed me to really just let the spirit do what the spirit wanted to do. I can remember a couple of times where we started servant evangelism, where we were going, giving out bottles of water, doing car washes and oil changes and all of those things that, you know, you read and see. God would show up fully there, you know, the spirit would move and you'd be just like, oh my gosh, we're praying for people in the middle of a parking lot on a hot summer day, people being delivered of sickness, everything that they were carrying around baggage was being lifted off them. Uh, we all grew up this church environment that was normal. We just started doing this stuff on a Sunday morning and it kind of just blossomed from there and grew. Yeah, but... But I mean, you know, like you said, it brought you out of your comfort zone, which I, I think, you know, and, Eric, and I'm sure Eric would agree that, you know, that that's that's, you know, it's, you know, similar. Um, so I wouldn't say that, it's, you know, just because you haven't been on a you know mission trip outside mission trip outside the the, you know, 48 contiguous states doesn't mean that, you know, have you haven't had that that experience. I mean, I think the thing that the thing that would what is the same is that both in on these mission trips and then on those when, when we would go out and do servant evangelism you're meeting people where they are and man i think that's that that's the key to the gospel right like like when we did when we you know the mill city vineyard we're gonna have put a church here and people will come just doesn't work right <laughs> like that that was part of it but that was part of like why it didn't work but on the other on the other hand like just we we more of like let's go out and find out where the people are and then let's go bring jesus to them because they're they're not gonna especially in this area and i had a conversation with somebody um about how one of the things that like somebody from maybe food for the hungry i forget who i was talking to but i was like that, that this is the big issue with the u.s is that we don't always um you know we don't we don't always have needs that will bring us to God um, as, you know, as maybe some other areas, some other areas might like, you know, we, maybe we struggle with finances and then that brings us to God or we have a bad day and that brings us to God. But like, you know, hopefully we're doing our, you know, due diligence and, you know, praising him in the good times, not just the bad, but I feel like in some of these areas like that, their need brings us to God. And we just don't see that all the time. But I think I'm just thinking of like, the common theme is going to where the people are and bringing Jesus and bringing a, a, a moment of God to them. Right. So, so Adam, um, where, where have you used that? Like when you're, when you're like working with youth, um, how do you meet the youth where they are when you're serving them? Well, I was going to say one thing is like the, the reality of the situation is it doesn't matter of your geographical location or where you are. I mean, people are experiencing the same thing. Like no, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. People are going, the struggles may be a little, little different depending on the area, but they're pretty much similar to, to what everyone experiences. And so it's, 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 it's interesting in, in, in the fact that like just growing up in the church and, and, and up and just building your relationship with God, people kind of get into this, this sense of, oh, I need to go do something great. I need to go do something extraordinary. And in reality, God's really calling you to, to where you're at, 
to to the to the people that are around you to to the the neighbors that you live next to to the to the close by friends that that may be struggling with yeah. things that you may not even be aware of unless totally. you actually take the time yep. to to reach out so it's it's that mentality of like yeah there are some there's some people out there that god calls to do some 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 what would be seen in the eyes of other people as like massive like wow just just the gifting and the and and the things that got, that that person's doing and reaching millions of people and blah, and so on and so forth but it, but it's god calls you to where you're at you just do your part in the people in where you are uh, <clears throat> around with with people just in your circle well really i think too to. i think you hit the nail on the head because i think a lot of times we when we think i'm going to i'm going to do something it's okay i'm going to do something and it's going to be like this and it's going to look like this and i have to plan out the next i'm going to do this every every other monday and we have to make a big plan when it can just be you know five like you were just saying hey i'm going to take this guy out for coffee i'm going to pay for this person's coffee i'm just going to say to somebody that looks like they need it hey god loves you and he loves you just as you are right now today you know like it doesn't have to be this huge ministry and you know, this, this crazy, we don't have to go, you know, on a four hour plane trip somewhere. We don't have to have it planned in advance. We can just let the Holy Spirit speak. And yeah, sometimes it means planning things ahead of time, but sometimes it just means listening when we're out there. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I would agree. You know, I think Eric and, and Fife, you both said something similar where it's, it's, it's because we're looking at, at the mirror. We're, we're worried about what we're going through and what we're doing and then not about other people. So. And the other thing is you, you set, you, you, you have that mentality of, well, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And you're setting right. yourself up for failure. Yeah. And, and I think that the key to that, the key to all of these is finding a way to be present. Right. I think <laughs> maybe it's just me, but I live a very distracted life. Right. And sometimes my ability to help people is hampered by my complete lack of awareness of what's going on around me. Totally. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, we talk about mission fields, we talk about service and those things are really important, but they're not as important as being actually engaged in what you're doing day to day. Right. Actually interacting with the people around you while you do them. Yeah. Because those are where those opportunities show up. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Adam was trying to say, but, but it is, it's, you can't participate in the people around you if you're not even paying attention to them. Yeah. You can't minister to them. You can't help them out. You can't volunteer for stuff if you're not even paying attention when they're talking about the things they're doing. Right. Right. And, and doesn't that really start with our family? Like, like one of the, um, one of the best things I ever heard a pastor say is they were like, you know, um, he's like, if, if I, he, he, from one Sunday, like from the quote unquote pulpit, it wasn't a pulpit, it's a stage, whatever, but you know, from the journeyman mic he was using, um, one of the things he said was <laughs> from the stone tabernacle, let, let my people go. No, um, no, but what he said was, if I'm ever talking to you and my, and my family comes up, like my son or my daughter, um, come up you know, I'm going to say right now, I'm sorry, because I'm always going to talk to them. And because he's like a pastor's job is 24 seven. So I, I, they need to know that if they come up to me 
on a Sunday morning that I'm going to focus on them for a minute or two minutes because that, you know, that may be because that time may be taken away like on a weeknight or another weekend or, or something like that. Right. So, um, so I think that, that maybe that, that probably starts at our, with it, with our family, like it's serving. And I think that that's probably where the service sh- starts now, maybe. Um, yeah. But, I, but I think as husbands, I think that that's where you, you've learned that going the extra mile, you know, when you're like, Hey, you know, when, when you ask somebody in your family, Hey, can I get you something? And it's like, yes, but it's like something from the store, not something from the fridge. And you're like, um, that's not quite how, how long I wanted to go. I wanted to just kind of go over there and now, you know what I mean? So like, I, but I think that's where it starts. And I think we learned that. And then I think it's, you know, um, and I think you hit, yeah, Eric, it's so true. Like we're so, which, so I think, you know, we cannot, we need to not be distracted and then give time for our family. And then in the same way, hopefully that'll, that'll bear out as well out in the, in the real world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it, parenting is a funny thing, right? Because it's so rarely about a single event. I mean, mm-hmm. our kids absorb the things we do, whether we want them to or not. Right. And so, you know, that's a great example of one thing that you did to take care of your wife, but I guarantee it's not the only thing you did. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing they saw. And, and you talked about how do I impact my kids now that I'm a parent? You know, the reality is you, if, if they're adults, if they're becoming adults, like your oldest, right? Or even your youngest, like they're both getting to that age. You've already poured into them. You're going to continue to pour into them. You're going to continue to model what you know is right. And they're going to see that and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to choose to value it or not at this point. This is their time to make that choice. But I guarantee that even if there's a season where they choose not to value it, more often than not, they come back around, you know, and, and you have through your modeling, through your parenting, through your opportunities, you've exposed them to some of that stuff. Maybe not as much as you wanted to, but they saw you taking care of people by stopping on the side of the road when somebody had a flat tire or taking out the trash for your neighbor or taking care of your wife or taking care of them. And they know what it looks like. They know what that servant model looks like. And, and so, you know, it's not ever too late, but it's also not just how you feel about it. Like you have to look back at a a very large screenplay of your life to figure out what you poured in there. But you can also just watch the fruit and it'll come one way or the other, right? The good stuff will come. And unfortunately the bad stuff also typically comes. And maybe Adam, I'd like to hear where do you find those moments in doing that, I'm, and obviously you have things like father-daughter date. You know, Eric did that with a little bit with Gracie too. But I'd be curious to see from the side of having daughters, how is that different than with your son? I mean, for me, it's just finding finding what their interests are, and sometimes those interests aren't aren't very exciting. But but being able to interact and engage in those things, and then the other thing is just just pulling pulling away from just everyday life, media, entertainment, and like taking the time to 
it, it, and it's just, it's not just a, a girl slash boy thing. It's just just spending time, finding ways to spend time. Whether it's hey, we're going on a hike, or hey, we're we're doing family game night tonight, and just hanging out and and being able to just build those, build that that small stepped relationship that really mm-hmm. really takes it further. Wait, what about you, Paul? What about Eric? Yeah, for for a very long time, my wife and I have been doing. The target is monthly dates with each of our children each. Um, it's usually like an hour or an hour and a half where each of us takes each of the kids out. Um, and I don't remember why we started doing it, but it's been a lot of fun. And, and for, a, for a long time, it was a free date. Like we never, like for a long time, we didn't have any money for that date. It was just like we'd go out and walk in the park or for a while we were doing like uh, Pokemon Go hunting. Like, we would just take a phone and go out and walk around town and catch Pokemon, right? Like, there's a lot of different things you could do for free, but it was just an opportunity to go have a conversation and spend time. And exactly what Adam said, the reality is all relationship is built over time. And it's easy, really easy, to take the relationship with your family for granted um, and not put the not put the effort into it because they're stuck with you forever and you're stuck with them forever. But... Um, being intentional about that helps them feel like they have a voice. And it was really, it's really funny. Um, my wife tells a story about our son, our oldest son, and um, he just wasn't really talking. You know, he, like he could talk. It wasn't that he didn't, he had problems with speech or anything like that, but he was just a quiet kid. And, and, you know, some of it is because his sister talked enough for both of them, really. Like, she was very verbal. She's a, a girl anyway, and they tend to talk more. And she was also a verbal processor like me. And so everything that was going on in her head came out through her mouth. So my son didn't really feel like it, a need to add to that. But at one point, Heather just took him out on a ride, and they and she, um, she somehow got him to talk about something. And, and, you know, the, the family joke is that he hasn't really stopped since. Like, you know, he, he's, a, he's far more verbal than most boys that I know his age, right? Well, he's he just, got his dad to model it. Yeah, right. There is some of that. But, you know, the reality is, like, having that little bit of investment time builds confidence. It builds awareness. It gives opportunity to coach on the right way to say things, the right things to say, how to say, like tone, things like that. And it doesn't even have to be like a coaching session, but it ends up being a modeling session along with some feedback. And so having that time one-on-one is really important. And it builds confidence because somebody's paying attention, not just when you're in trouble, not just when there's a problem. So, you know, like I said, we try to do it every month. When we don't make it in a month, we try and catch up. But it's something all of my kids look forward to. And it's something that I look forward to. It's been a lot of fun. Intentionality is is critical to a lot of this, you know, relationship building. That when you're in those scenarios, okay, I'm here, God. I'm listening. And I'm using my two ears more than I'm using my mouth. It is good stuff, you know. Those relationship things that we've that we do the th- the time that we spend, we get an opportunity to learn from it. 
You know, we get an opportunity to grow in our relationships. We get an opportunity to model for our children, but also be models for other people's children. Right. You know? Uh, well, and there's times when I have that conversation. You know, you know, buddy, like, don't do what I just did. <laughs> right. You know, I'm sorry. That was not the right way to handle that. Here's how I should have handled that. Please. Yeah. Well, my, uh, they've been closing bridges and roads left and right here in Lowell. So whenever I go to pick up my son and drive him anywhere, he's been hearing many other, you know, Jonathan, I really shouldn't have said that to that person. <laughs> I, I really, I, I'm sorry. I should not have called her that name. I'm sure she's very nice. Uh, exactly. It's just, uh, and, but yeah, I feel like, and it's, it's funny cause you know, yeah, it just having, you know, having those, having those times. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the things I think we, him and I just had this conversation, if not today, then yesterday of how this isn't a black and white kind of world, right? There's a lot of gray. And so there's days when, you know, you feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm batting, you know, 300, which is pretty good in, in, in the majors. Right. But like other days where you're hitting zero, like nothing, nothing at all. And like, man, I, you know, I feel like I've screwed up at every, you know, I've, I've, I've gone the wrong way at every, at, at, at every left. I should have taken a right at every right. I should have taken a left. And like, it just is what it is. But like, you know, you just, I just tell him like, buddy, you got to wake up and do it all again tomorrow. And you just got to not, you know, not get, not get discouraged and, you know, um, be in that grace. That's really what it is. It's like every, every day, just, you know, learn from, the bad things you've allowed to slip past to your tongue, you know, move forward. Every new day, it brings its own graces. And serving God has never been easy. It's I, I'm kind of that type A personality. I'm like, yeah, okay, all right, I'm ready to grasp the bull by the horns. Let's, you know, let's let's deal with. Did you this say week. kind of? Yeah, I, I just I want to clarify what was actually said there. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> um, kind of a type A, like the Titanic was kind of a big ship. <laughs> it wasn't the well, Titanic's I, fault that it sank. Hey, I, I left that out of the equation. I'm not saying you're going to say I'm just saying, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to bring it back to serving, too, I think that one of the things that can help, can, you know, hurt us in this, the serving piece is when we get, when we can't get out of our own way, right? When we, when we're too down on ourselves. So, you know, that way we just need to, you know, um, start each day anew and just say, hey, God, I screwed up royally yesterday. I'm going to set myself aside again today. And then I'm going to just going to try to serve you. And I may get it wrong more than I get it right. But, you know, at least, uh, you know, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll still be focused. I'll still, I'll still be, um, you know, listening and uh, as much as we can to, to what, what God has for us. So. Hello, and thanks for listening to the Forefathers Podcast, where we talk about faith, fatherhood, and other F-words. If you want to learn more, head over to our website at the number four, fatherspodcast.com. If you'd like to help our show, make sure you give us a review on iTunes or in the podcast app of your choice. Those reviews help others find our show. And if you have any other questions or comments, you can send those to feedback at forefatherspodcast.com.